Welcome to Boots Off Log On, a podcast where we talk all things farm business. A show about the business of farming, bringing you insights and wisdom from the leaders in farm business, helping you minimise risk and maximise return on all your hard work. I'm David and I'll be your host for the show. Today I'm sitting down with Jill Fotheringham in her kitchen at the start of Harvest 2022. Jill owns and manages a beef feedlot and grain enterprise with her husband Keith and son Todd in Kalgarran, Western Australia. Jill loves farming and says she was very lucky to marry a farmer. We talk about how Jill and Keith grew their farm from a small sheep and wheat farm in the late 1980s to the large successful cattle feedlotting and grain business today. We discuss managing high interest rates, the changes in farm technology, auto steer phone calls from brothers, practical farm financial management habits and routines that have helped Jill over the years. We discuss succession and allowing the next generation to run the show. Jill believes that good family relationships are the cornerstones to successful farm business and believes it's about relationships, communication and involvement. Jill is a lovely and hard-working person who generously gave up her day to show us around her amazing farm and to record this podcast for you. So sit back wherever you're listening and enjoy Jill's story and her wisdom. Now over to Jill. Welcome to the podcast, Jill. Thank you. Um, now, I just got to tell everyone, we're out at, now, technically Calgarren. 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 So for those of you not from Western Australia, it doesn't end with an ing or an up. It's an <laughs> end with an I and an N. An I and an N. And it's about 320 kilometres northeast of Perth on the way to Wave Rock, Hyden, or yeah. on the way to Esperance. So even people from outside of the state probably know this area because of Wave Rock? Definitely. If you say you come from Calgarren or Hyden, they say, where's that? And you say, well, do you know Wave Rock? And they say, yes. <laughs> and we say, well, we're not far from there. Yeah. And it's in the wheat belt, so or the Great Southern. Yeah, and we're making this recording right at the start of harvest. So how many days are you into harvest now? Oh, not very much. We have been probably going for two weeks, but the rain event, we've been having rain events every week. Um, you know, could be five meals that stopped us for three or four days and then start again. So this week's been really good. We started on, on Sunday afternoon and we've had a nearly a good week of harvesting, which is very, very good. Yeah, it is good. You haven't had a bit of rain yesterday, is that right? A little bit last night. There's been a lot of thunderstorms because when it comes in, in warm, it creates a storm. So yeah. if you're under the cloud, you get a little bit of rain. If not, you're right. Last Friday we had a, lot, a, a hail event in the district, which is really disappointing. Yeah. So, did you do you know if you've had any of your properties affected at all yet? Yeah. All yes, our properties did, especially down at um, Pingaring. Proper yep. did, and I was with the assessor yesterday. Oh, yeah. It's 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 never uneventful, isn't it? Farming. You know, there's we, we were talking about four over lunch, weren't we? There's always something. There's a 
there's um it, it never had you never there's no such thing as a average year is there people talk about average years is there's no such thing as it no it might more more the perfect season that's what we you'd like the perfect season it's always too cold or it's rained too much or you get frost or you get hail it's it's very rarely you have the perfect season but the yields are really increasing over the years we've got some very good young farming farmers in this district and I think in WA we've got some very good innovative farmers and the yields are really going up high to when we first started they're just unbelievable yeah we're just talking about around the state you know obviously um, at the time of recording we've had this historical large rise in land prices around the state but at the same time like you said there's the, the, the rise in you know, the improvement in agronomy and technology and seeding and everything. So the reliability of high yields now is something that we, even 10, 15 years ago, we wouldn't have expected, do you think? Exactly right. Yep, yep, exactly. And, and like you, you, you've hit the nail on the head, it's, it's the agronomy... Is technology is unbelievable. You know, when we first started, you know, you had to drive a header and 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 take note and lift the header, it comb up and down. Now it's it's automatic, and when it gets to the end, it it can turn itself around, and yeah, that's with the seating equipment and it's auto steer up and back, so it's more efficient. It's just technology. You just wonder in the next twenty years where, where technology is going to go. But it's it's really good, and and it's good that the young people have embraced it, and we've got some good people that that are in, in, inventing all this. Yeah, definitely. I always can tell that. Um, I always know when I get a call from my brother, he must be spraying or harvesting or on the tractor because because it all steers itself now. Got time for a chat. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, I, I get the same call from my brother. He when he's on the sprayer or the header, he rings me and says, "What's happening in that?" And I'm thinking, "You must be spraying or 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 seeding because or harvesting because it's all auto steer." Now, now, if you don't mind me asking, Joe, how long have you been farming? So, tell us. Well, let's go back and talk about your farming journey. When did you start your farming journey? In 1980, I married Keith. Yeah. And moved out here, um, and he was with his. Um, mother and father and his brother farming on on this this farm here yeah um and then um yeah it was i i, I was brought up on a farm up near Kadu uh-huh. or man manning and went to boarding school and then had a life of working in perth in in the in the commercial banks um and then i, I was i was really pleased to marry a farmer because I go. think it's really good and, and brought up two children, but it's farming's just just absolutely just wonderful. When you ended up, you know, you went from Kadoo, then down to the boarding school, then into the bank. When you were in the bank, were you hoping to end up back in the country at some point? I, it never crossed my mind, um, but when you know Keith came along, we just clicked, and you know was you know we were really happy to to you know to, well, I was really happy to marry a farmer, but coming from Kadoo. And then coming out to Kalgarra, and I thought it was a never-ending journey. You know, it's so much longer. You know, how far can you live out here? My mum and dad were horrified. You're going to live out there. It's so far. But you just get used to it. Yeah. So where was the closest? Um, how far to Perth from Kadoo was it? Oh, it's only just on two hours. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. So like, local in West Australian terms. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so then we got married and then... Um, when in 88 or 87 uh, or 88 really um the farm got financially into trouble mm-hmm. um so there was a mediator involved and um we were um offered to buy this 
the large part of the farm, mm-hmm. and um, but we had no money. And so my mum and dad, my brother, was my brother's older than me and he was farming up there, were very, very good to us and we always got on as a family. And so they offered um, to pay the deposit that we needed um, so, we could con- so we could continue farming, Keith and I. Um, so then we... Um, in, during the, after that, we continued farming and we'd have paid the deposit back quite quickly and that's where our journey started is farming together and it's been the best decision now. It's been absolutely a wonderful decision. And that's the thing. You, I mean, we're sitting here now. We've been touring around the operation this morning and, you know, you've got a we'll, – we'll get into it, but you've got a really um, successful um, operation here and you've got um, your son in here um, – who's going gangbusters with the feedlotting and stuff. But went right back then when you were getting someone to help you out with a deposit and, you know, just getting started, could have you imagined walking around like we did today and all that you've, you and Keith have achieved in that time? No, no, definitely not. Um, we we had it tough and, and Keith had to go off farm to, to, bring, to bring the money in mm-hmm. and we were very fortunate that he um, got a phone call to go out to Forestonia with the bulldozer and work out there. So he'd be on and off going out there working hard and, and to his credit, it, it, it was a shame but it, to, we just had to do it. He didn't see the children go to any sports carnivals, um, you know, didn't have much to do with the children. When he got home, we, he we, he had to work and so did I. So that's a shame, but we you just move on. We never went on holidays because, because we couldn't afford it. But if we didn't go off farm, we wouldn't have kept this farm. Yeah, and, and what have you had at the time? You know, there were some tough years there um, and I think it was the 90s, late 80s, early 90s, where everything was a bit tough. Wool was tough, grain was tough and you would have had a number of farmers, you know, that you knew would be going through very similar sort of um, circumstances you were at the time? Um, we probably didn't really discuss finances with other people, but, you know, it was 88 um, was when we first started um, and we did a budget, like everyone else has to do a budget. And during that year we got, uh, it was 18% interest rate and then, for for every reason, because we really didn't know what what was happening with you know the prices, that we went over our our budget and went to twenty four percent. So that was tough, um, but we got over. But we had a good season. We were very fortunate that year was very very good. But the um, the wool tax the next year we we uh, ran sheep and a f- just a few cattle, and um, then the wool tax went up and we got hit with that. We had thirty extra bales of wool, but it all went in wool tax. Yeah, but. It, you just you just got to move on. And this goes to the point of financial management. So, you know, since you um, essentially uh, started running the farm with Keith and so 88 was really the big kickoff date, do you think, for you and Keith as farmers together? Yes, definitely. Yeah, definitely. So since that time, have you always been the – you came from the bank, you, you know, did you have do the books? Have you always been the driver of the finances, like doing the books and everything? I've always done the books and I did it in – probably, I don't know if you remember, your dad would start before he started computers, the long, you know, cash book books and you used to write it down and every month put it in and send it to the account. I'd never shoebox, but it was in – you know, it was already done. 
it was already written out for the accountant. And then computers came along and AgriMaster came along and AgriMaster's the best thing. I, I'm sorry. I know that you're, 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 the, the, you're the principal of it, but it's just, that it's just so easy. I, I can't praise AgriMaster enough. So you went from that journey. So you did books the long way on a journal. Yes. Yeah. You would have had a pencil and a rubber and lots of yep, calculator. Yep. And a checkbook and, and now I wouldn't even know what a checkbook was. You just don't even use a checkbook. Yeah. But a pencil and a rubber and, and the big big book with journals and everything, yes. But you but that would have given you a good grounding. Yes. So I always say to clients when they talk about, you know, software. And a software is just an automated tool. It doesn't do anything particularly clever that you can't do with a pencil and paper, especially with accounting. And obviously it does it quicker and easier and you can repeat it a lot. But the the core capability that you had, this ability to keep a, a journal or some books in your ledger, um, would have given you good foundations. So when you went to computing, it was just easier? Oh, yeah, a lot easier. You, would, you saved time. You didn't have to write, you know, the check number down, the date down. And, and who it was from because it's automatically in, in the AgriMaster. Yeah. So, no, a lot easier. Um, and and it has involved a, a lot with bookwork, but you just keep it keep it on top of it and, and, and I enjoy it, but it does take a, a time, but you, I feel that you've got to stay on top of it. And that's a good point. You know, bookkeeping does take time. Yeah, so, but you, you are mentioning that, Yes, it takes time, but I enjoy it. Do you, is it the process or is it the feeling you get of knowing where you're at? So which, what sense of satisfaction does keeping the books up to date for you give? Is knowing our financial position. Yeah. Definitely knowing it from, you know, I could tell you weekly that our financial position, where we're at, and, and often I would say um, if... If Todd is our son, if he wants to buy something, he'll come and say, "Mum, what's our finance position? You know, what 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 do we have to do? What how much money is coming in this week? How much money? What are we got to do here there?" And I'll do a bit of a budget for him, and and I'll know what I think, and you know where our finances are. So the way you use budgeting strategically, and like you said, you know, he wants to come in and he wants to buy a bit of equipment or do an expansion of some sort, and you say you'll run up a budget. Do you use budgets? both tactically and strategically like that. So you use them obviously for your bank once a year or, or whatever. But when you want to make a change in the business, do you start with, with a cash flow or a... So I just do a pencil and paper. I know my financial position, what our, our um, outgoings are for the next month if yeah. he wants to or what our incomings are for the next month. And I'll just do it on a bit of paper. Yeah, and that's just to give to make sure you're making the decision based on a... So what are you working out there? So the cash flow... Um, for that decision? Mainly the cash flow and then if we want to chattel mortgage, how much we've got on chattel mortgage already, when those payments are coming out, when are they going to be finished, those sort of things we talk about as well. So what do you think the big change is? Since when she started with Ledger, apart from the change in computing, has there been other big major changes in the way you run finances or the, or the, or the requirements for you, to the, the changes you've done in your bookkeeping? Definitely. Um, we didn't have the position to borrow much money, so, and I can never remember really leasing equipment. We paid for it if we could pay, yeah, if we, we, we didn't buy it unless we paid for it and, or, or could afford to pay for it. So there's more leasing now or, you know, shadow mortgaging. Mm-hmm. So that's definitely um, a benefit mm-hmm. for your business. 
um, probably that's the main thing. Yeah, that's the main thing. Did, did Because you already had a rhythm with your bookkeeping going into things like big changes like um, – like GST, for example, was the first big change. Did you find that a big interruption or it was just, you know, because you already had a bookkeeping habit going into GST? I find, David, um, with Wage Master as well, with uh, single-touch pay rise um, wage and GST, being the older person that doing the book work, I find change very hard. Um, When I went to school, there was no computers, there was no calculators. But once I've got my head around it and, and I take my time and I, I, if I'm not sure, I'd rather go to Agramas and get, you know, a, a lesson on it and pay for it, mm-hmm. uh, I'm right. I, yeah. I can get my head around it, I'm right. So yes and no to your answer. I find it very hard for change because I'm the older person that wasn't brought up with computers. But once I've got my head around it, I'm right. And is that... For other people who, you know, you, you'd be, there'd be a lot of people in exactly the same situation with you, regardless of age. Some people are just have this affinity with things and some people don't, whether that be accounting or computers or whatever. Um, was that something you would recommend to something? Like if you had someone else come into the business or another farm business that to just invest in the training or the time? To- definitely, definitely invest in the training. I've, uh, hopefully my daughter-in-law will take over soon, but they, I'm going to recommend that they go to a training course, you know, to Agrimaster and, and, and get the training. And that's because, you know, do you, do you see many people struggle who don't go through that process, who are trying to be self-taught or...? I don't know. I don't see anyone because I don't really talk yeah. about it. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, it's an interesting thing in farming, isn't it? Like, I think it's a, you'll be able to talk about crops and yields and nutrition and cattle and sheep until the sun goes down, won't you? But it, money's just one thing that's never talked in ag, is that, it? That's correct. Very much so. Now, going from interest rates, so we're talking about the moment. So at the moment in in Australia, there's a lot of farmers, you know, who we've had a, a run of some decent seasons, especially in the West and the East have had 10 years of drought and they've had some good ones. Um, but interest rates have been historically low, so there's been a lot of people buying stuff. Land, machinery, etc. Now they're starting to rise. Now we're thinking two, three percent is horrific. Nothing on eighteen <laughs> percent when you're 18. buying a farm, and then you go to twenty-four. But you know the prices of, of purchasing land and and equipment is 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 just blown out. So that's why why you know at eighteen percent and twenty-four, it didn't cost us that much. And now that- the everything's the value is a lot higher. Wages are a lot higher. So you're talking, you've got Todd's generation now who are, going, who are farming and they've never experienced 18% or 24% interest rates. Um, and they probably haven't experienced 2 or 3% interest rates yet um, as a generation. So what advice do you have? So you and Keith had this the stress of high interest rates, you know, regardless of your financial position at the time. So what advice have you got for the generation now who, you know, have got good farms, they know what they're doing, they're good at what they do, whether it be livestock or grain, but this is the first time they're seeing their their cost of finance going up and up and up on all their high purchases and then all their machinery. Have you got any um, methods that you use in particular to 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 manage the business financially through the, those sort of times when it gets tight on interest? No, no, I haven't, and I wouldn't have advice for them. I think they've got consultants or something or bank managers would help them to do that. Yeah. But I think that they'll, it's just accepted and, and they would have their finances under control. 
and and saying that keeping their finances under control so that if things are getting tight just to exactly that just keep your finances under control so like you know you're saying you know your financial position weekly Virtually, yes. Is, something, yep. is that something you'd recommend to both Todd? Oh, weekly or monthly. Weekly you know, or monthly. Yeah, 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 monthly. You've got to. I reconcile end of the month, so you yep. know what you're doing, and you know you you know your you know what what's coming in the following month if if you want to buy something. But I think most people today and younger ones are very good at, at that sort of business. I think. Mm-hmm. So. Let's talk about the evolution of your business. So you started off with grain. Is that is that was it a grain and livestock property when you first started in eighty eight? Uh, yes, we um, inherited, I think, ten cows, <laughs> and um, I don't know how many sheep might have been eight hundred. Yeah. On our farm and and the grain and and got a little bit of machinery. Yeah. Um. So then we were approached. Keith always liked his cows um, and, and I've always liked sheep. So our business, a sheep, grew. We, we, we didn't have enough land to um, breed our own ewes, so we'd go out and buy other ewes, um, older ewes, and, and uh, make them to um, pole dorsets mm-hmm. or meat uh, rams. Um, and the sheep... The cattle, we had a few cattle and didn't know much about it, but then there was a butcher shop at Hyden, um, Chick Haslam and his two boys, had abattoirs out there. So they approached us and asked if we could give them a consistent supply weekly and it was really four to five cows or 12 to 15 lambs every week. They used to come out and purchase them so they could slaughter for their butcher shop. So then we had to make sure that we had enough cattle on hand, so we bought a few ca- extra cows. And then Keith would go to Katanning to buy fat lambs and we bought extra fat lambs and we used to trade them back to Whamco, so we did quite a bit of lamb. So we always had stock on hand. So we are going really well. We liked that. Um, and then Todd decided to come home um, in 2003. Um, he went to boarding school in Perth and then he did uh, two years of fine furniture at Dwelling Up and said he wanted to come home and then he just loved his cows so then then we got more cows and more cows and started a feedlot um, and then the cow, the sheep had to go because it wasn't enough room for the for the for the for the for the cows. And so we've just been out to the feedlot this morning and it's a beautiful big feedlot and um I think we're talking about now that the the grain enterprise of the business almost now um, supports the feedlot now, doesn't it? Like- yes, it does. Yes, it does. We've we've since we've bought um, we've had this farm since Todd's come home. We've purchased another couple of farms, and then we've, now we can produce our own grain for the for the cattle feedlot. Yes. Yeah, so so, that's, that's- so that means more storage, more hay. So it it's. It's grown, our business has grown, but Todd has really driven it and, and now he's got a wife and two little children. It, it's, it's, it's just wonderful being in this relationship. And so succession, that's, well, let's do a segue to that. So it's obviously been quite successful. Like Todd wasn't going to be a farmer, he's going to be a, he's going to be a, a cabinet maker, mm-hmm. I assume, and now he's come home to the farm, but it seems to be thriving. He's doing, going, you know, going gangbusters with the feedlot and... Um, there seems to be a, seems to be like a new style of a day growing out there, like mushrooms. Um, um, yeah, so that's worked well. Todd coming back into the business and oh, he definitely he has driven the business. We support him hundred percent, but he but we talk as a family together. 
um, and and make decisions together. But he drives it, and and Keith and I step back and we support him. He's the future, not us. And yeah. he said to us the other day that that he was really pleased that we were custodians of the land, mm-hmm. and so to, to give him the opportunity to buy land for himself and to grow this business or for us as a family. Mm-hmm. And then he said, I'm the custodian for my two little boys. And I think that's just a, a, just a wonderful story. And does that make, you know, because in agriculture, I think anyone listening to this on farm knows succession's not always that pleasant um, in farming. Um, and so do you, do you, is there a trick to this? I mean, you talk about talking to it as a business. Do you, do you, have you always talked um, with Todd um, um, about the business the whole time he's been here and involved him in the business. Yeah, yeah always. Yeah, we've always talked. Yeah, yeah. No one goes off and buys a bit of machinery without talking about the other one and talk about finances. We talk together. Todd runs the show, and 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 so he should do. You know, not should do, but we allow him to do because he's the future. We're we're the older farmers, but we support him and we still work behind him if he wants us to do something we we do it but he drives it and i think more i shouldn't say more farmers but the gener the next generations that's their future we had our future we want to pass it on i think it just works so well david it really does and so as a as the current you know the i suppose the generation handing it on is there a is there a staged approach to this? So in other words, so, you know, there's always this trouble of letting go of one generation and the other one coming on because they're younger and they've got all this, you know, Todd wanted to grow the feedlot and do other things. Is there a, is there a slowly letting go process or is it just a leap of faith in succession? How do I, you... I think both. I think slowly let go but make it more quicker than, than some people don't. Um, and and faith, have faith in your children to to know that they're going to do the right thing and and not try and kick kick you off the farm and and still involve you and um, I think it's both. Is part of that financial location important? Because for a lot of people, their children are their superannuation fund um, because they're coming back and they're running the property. And for a lot of people, this is also their for a lot of people, it is their only source of livelihood um, in in their older age. So is is handing over that, um, fi- you know, you've got this financial literacy that you came to the farm with, with the, but you developed over time. Is handing that over is easier or is it harder than handing over the actual farming bit of the farm? That um, No, I, I would like to hand the financial over to, uh, to Anika, mm-hmm. um, but it's going to be gradual because they've got to learn it. But I think... It's up to them. I don't want to be doing it forever, and I don't think I need to be doing it forever. It's there, going to be their business. But for as a, we haven't got a problem that Todd and Nick are taking this farm over mm. and and supporting Keith and I, and yeah, and I just think that's up to every individual farmer how they do that. And do you think that you know um, handing over like that, handing over the books or the running of the 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 financial side of the property is is just as important as so handing over the production side of the company. I do, yeah, definitely. When the time comes, I think there is a time that the the older person cannot keep keep control of of the book, and it should be it should be open in in relationships that if they want to come and have a look at the books, or someone want to come, it's open there. Anyone can have a look at it. And and does that help the fact that you have 
been open with the books with Todd and I don't know if you're open with the books with, with everybody, but certainly with Todd, um, that they know what's going on. So when eventually and hopefully Anika takes over the books in time, that there's no surprises or it's just, okay, you, you know what's here. That's, that's right. Uh, no, I, the books is between the family. Yeah. I don't just anywhere else in the <laughs> district or what, what our finances are. Um, so, no, there's no secrets, no secrets in the book work. Yeah. And we've got a very good accountant and consultant. Yeah. And, and again, with your, with your consultant, so the, the, you know, you're obviously really up to date with the books and you know how to do your cash flows and, and your budgets and stuff. So, you know, is that relationship with the consultant built up over time as well, do you find? Yeah, like, very much so. And the accountant, we've got a very good accountant and a consultant and they know all our business, you know, farming, finances. Yeah. Very, very good. We talk regularly to both of them. And is your role within that, yours and Keith's role within that, you know, you've got essentially all these people that uh, work around your business. So you have your farm advisor who's a, who is, is a business advisor in Mank, is in more cases. So how, I don't know how you... It, it's it. more a financial advisor, not, yeah. a, not a farm advisor. Yeah. He's a consultant as in, in finances. Yeah. And then you've got your accountant who is more your um, strategic tax and wealth management and those sorts of things. That's correct. And then you've obviously got a banker or a bank who you hope funds what you need. Yeah, that's through the consultant. Yep. So we probably see our bank manager once a year if we're lucky, <laughs> um, do, a, do a budget. Our consultant hands it to the, to the bank manager and... That's the last we hear, really. So you're just the so conductor I'm, of this orchestra. So you no, I'm not. <laughs> no, I'm not. Just, no, no. We've just got good people around us. And, and do you think that, I mean, you and Keith have been successful. Um, do you think having good people around you is part of that success? Like, yes, definitely. Yep, yep. And so who do you think, so going forward um, for Todd and Anika, do, is that something you'd recommend for them, making sure you know, that they make sure they have that good advice around them when they're, you know, because they're obviously going to go and do new things and other things. And I think, I think I don't have to tell them. I think they know. Yeah. And like they know that we've got a good consultant and, or Todd talks to him mostly. Yeah. And, and, and a good accountant. Is that part of that succession thing? Like, you know, handing over those relationships. So those relationships started with you and Keith, those relationships with the accountant and the consultant in particular is, you know, that's another form of handing over, isn't it? Like- it is, yeah, and and I hope that they would keep, I think there wouldn't be a problem with the consultant, the accountant, I'm hoping they'll keep the accountant, I can't see a problem. Yeah. But if they want to change and they're doing the book work, it's up to them. I'm yeah. not going to stop them. Yeah. Or Keith and I aren't going to stop them. So they obviously understand the value of having that advice around them, but it's up to them of who they get advice from, yeah? That's right, yeah. yeah. I can't see them changing though, mm-hmm. because yeah. the, the the people we've had in in place, the consultant and accountant, are, are very important to our business, and they know our business. Yeah. So, do you have a rhythm with those? So, I'd like to talk about rhythms. So, like, I, everyone likes to talk. You know, in agriculture, we often talk about all the big set pieces. Oh, no, I've got to do this, and I've got to do a bass and a budget. I'd love to get down to the nitty gritty a bit, like rhythms. So, do you have a particular habit or rhythm, like, you know? If I came in and I saw the way you did your books and your budgets and your and your everything, do you have a particular rhythm you like to maintain? 
No. Um, well, budget is done by the consultant. Yeah. Um, so rhythm, I like to pay bills very, very regularly. Um, and I, then I like to enter at least once a week into Agrimaster. So when it comes to bass, uh, I've got to pay wages monthly. So I know at the end of the month I, I print it out. So within three or four days I'll pay, you know, the PAGY tax yep. to and and the same as the bass. I'll have my bass organised in, in three months with, yeah. Yeah, at the end of that three months. So mainly I just spend time in the office. I, like, I should be probably spending more time in my office, but I like to keep on, especially paying wages, well, pages, I have to weigh wages, invoices and keeping up with the bass. I, I like to do that regu- very, very regularly. Yeah. And and you have, do you have a budget review cycle with your consultant as well? Like do you, um, I mean, no. you do it once a year for the, I assume, financing at the beginning of the year with the bank, but do you review that very often? Um, not unless we things change within the business that, um, we want to buy another equipment or something's drastically happened, but very rarely. So we, if, let's say, you got to, I know, May and you say, okay, I think we need to buy another, I know, seating bar or something like that, you might, <laughs> I'm not pre- trying to precursor or anything, <laughs> but um, I used to be a young farmer and I used to want to buy everything. <laughs> um, then you might review the budget because you've got HP to put through and look at the cash flow. Uh, we'd look at the cash flow. Todd would come and look at the cash flow first and ask, and 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 then we'd make. We might not even put it past the consultant. We just might just do it itself. But good luck buying a bit of machinery in May because you won't get it until May two years later. I know. <laughs> so people are listening to this, they can't see the smile on your face. I think trying to get machinery all at the moment is. You can't get machinery at all unless you've got a magic genie or. No, you can't even have a magic genie. <laughs> it's 18 to 2 years for any even any vehicle any piece of machinery anything now yeah it's um it's it's unusual how time has changed isn't it sometimes there's gluts and sometimes now i think even uh, local dealers have quotas of how many how many bits of equipment they can actually bring into the country at all isn't it like, oh that's right we can't buy a land cruiser wagon now they're not making them anymore yeah so i think um in Going forward, that, that, that people just have to be more organised. You can't just spur of the moment buy a piece of machinery now. So this comes down to, so this is something you probably do either with, but with the three of you or with your consultant, but that strategic planning, you know, now we're talking, you know, the, the farm's bigger, the, you know, the feedlot business is bigger and you've got bigger set pieces, you know, the, the, the high per, or the chattel mortgages and those things. Does that... Do you think you require a, a much more uh, a further planning ahead now? Like things like machinery replacement, you're having to think end of 23 or... Yeah, Todd is. He's, he's talking now, you know, if he wants another header, he'll have to think about putting it in now for, you know, two years' time. So, yes, they have to definitely be more organised, especially buying machinery. So you're doing things like machinery... Re- um, so with your advisor, you're doing things like machinery replacement schedules now and, and is Todd or you and Keith doing things like that? Todd talks about it. Yeah. We we actually haven't written it on a bit of paper. And no, no, yeah. But, yeah, Todd's talking all the time, thinking about what he wants and, you know, machinery, um, farms are getting bigger. Yeah, farm is getting bigger when we first started. So, you know, he wants two of everything. He wants, you know, two bits of machinery, uh, two... Two um, tractors, two air seeders, two tra- headers, and you know to make life easier. So he would be thinking of those things. Yes. 
And you would have seen the district change so much. I mean, you're talking about now, like we, like yourself, we go out to clients and it's not one of anything anymore. It's two or more of everything, isn't it? So it's, it's quite a logistical exercise. It's like we've been touring around your operation today. Just the logistics in a farm operation these days is phenomenal, isn't it? Yeah. Look, Keith added up the other day, we've only got 12 farmers in our district now and I reckon that we would have had 30 in the 80s and just for secession planning or people have left um, and farmers have bought themselves, you know, farmers have bought neighbours out and everything. So they have to get bigger to get the crop in earlier. There's big operations out there now, very big operations. Yeah, so um, yeah, so we're talking about people moving tens of thousands of tonnes off properties now and it's it's... And you think of that, it's, it's like, you know, it's a really big, you know, staff and trucking and... Good know. luck getting staff. <laughs> well, that's another issue. So staff. So what do you think the future is there? Like you and everybody, everybody well, I think, well, let's say every business in Australia, I don't know where all the people have gone. Not, I know COVID was bad, but we didn't lose that many people in the world. But um, people are rare as hen's teeth. Uh, correct, yeah. Um, so what do you think, if this continues, what do you think... Do you think this is going to change the nature of farming or, you know, are you starting to have chats around the kitchen table about what if we can't get labour going forward or...? Um, no, we haven't had, but we've had our issues. I think everyone's had an issue of farming. Um, it hasn't helped with the mining. Everyone, a lot of people in WA would probably disagree with me, um, but mining has, has not helped us with employment. You know, truck drivers, it's not... It's not only us, it's trucking companies shifting grain or anywhere, even in Perth. All the truck drivers have gone to Perth. Train drivers for CBH haven't had trouble with train drivers. They've gone up to um, mining industry. Yeah. So it's it's the big dollars, you know, um, and it's not it's not the dollars. I think farmers would pay the dollars, but it's just lifestyle and, and you can't get people... If the, the if the gentleman wants to, or the the person wants to come out here, their partner doesn't want to be out here. Yeah, it's I don't I don't know the answer, David. Do you think that might increase the? So it's something about you know as a business planning forward, not just yourselves, but all the other farmers around Australia having to plan forward. So you're saying okay, in order to attract really good workmen, we're going to have to attract their families. So that comes down to housing, schooling, community. You know, it's not a lot of things you can control as a farm, is it? Like, no, it's not. And I don't think we can control as a community. Um, I know um, a trucking company in Lake Grace. He 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 can't get drivers to, to live in Lake Grace now, so he they actually do their operations from Perth. So do you? Think and you and get- he's not the only one. There's one. There's there's hundreds of trucking companies. They're all based in Perth now and their drivers and their wives and their children in Perth. So instead of being in a town and driving to Perth to get fertiliser or grain and then coming back, they're doing it the opposite way, and I don't think we're going to change that. So the, so even local trucking businesses that used to be in the local towns around Australia are more likely probably to move to those large urban centres. They have. That's where the that's where the staff want to live. That's correct. Yeah. So... So I don't. Getting back to your question, sorry. Yeah. I don't think it's it's the community, the housing, the schooling. It's just not going to happen. Do you think farming? You know, does it cross your mind or what your your you know other farmers in the district that farming might end more like mining? You know, we're talking about you know all these people are running off to the mines, and I think Queensland farmers might have the same 
same issues is that you know you might have to drive in or fly in fly or drive in drive out staff you know if, you know in the future we um I, I i can't answer that sorry but with our uh, we've got a couple of feedlot that feed the cattle so they do 10 days and four days off yeah so that they overlap so they get four days and they're quite happy with that yeah so I don't know if that's what. Yeah, so it's a lot more like a mining swing now. So you, so you, you might get employment patterns on the farm that that a lot more like a mining swing. You know, you get these two on two off or ten on four off sort of. I don't know if we go down that track ten. You know, only ten days, but not two weeks off and one week on because, yeah. you know, with seeding and harvest yeah, and things. Yeah, that's hard. Yeah. You can't have that. I don't know the answer. I really don't know the answer. If, if you can find staff. And everyone else in business in Australia can find staff. I think good luck. Yeah, I, I think I think it's a universal problem. I think you know we've got um, so obviously we live in Perth now, and even cafes are closing down because they can't get staff to. You know their businesses are fine; they just can't get staff to work in them. So yeah. it's a it's a universal problem. I think, Jill. So, yeah. but do you think that will? So when you're doing your budgeting and things as a farm, does, is it something now that you've got to have that cost base increase, that salary cost base? Our, our salary is huge. We've got five staff and it's definitely huge and we probably want more than five staff. But it over the, the last five years, it's tripled probably. Yeah. And so, so when you're doing the budget in 23, 24 with your advisor and the family, is it one of the things like the cost of machinery, the cost of staff, the cost of fuel, fertilizer, those things? Uh, so you get, you know, this does that has that changed the way you budget or the way you plan? Because the cost base is is really ratcheting up in business right now, isn't it? Like, no, it hasn't changed the way we budget. Yeah, because that's always been there. So you, you just got to put more in it and then work out. You know, hopefully get good seasons. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, do you have a do you do you run one more than one strategy like so running into it no you supply a lot of your own grain to your feedlot so you're not as exposed to the export market as maybe no but we put a cost on that yeah it's, you know, we still work out our, our margins so we we know the cost of the grain yeah so we put a cost of that to feed the cattle yeah so even though you're growing your own grain for your cattle feedlot, you are you are costing the margins on that grain business to make sure you're running a good grain business at. We we'll make sure the cattle feedlot is making a profit. Yeah, you're not cross subsidising it with grain, essentially. No, no, it goes in as a cost for what if we could sell it. So we know the cost of that grain going down the cow's throat. So we know that we have to make a profit. For the cows to feed the cows, otherwise we, we, we wouldn't be doing it. So in your time in business since 88, so what are, what are your, you know, if I had to write down your big lessons that you've learned, what do you think they are, Jill? So what are your, what are your big bits of Jill wisdom? Oh, I don't know, David. You've got me there. <laughs> I'd have to think about it. What would you I wouldn't. I don't reckon there'd be any big wisdoms. Um, what about the little wisdom? What are the, what are the things that really matter in life? Yeah, I think happiness, yeah. happiness, and having a good family relationship. Keith and I have got a wonderful relationship. We've worked hard together, and we've always, you know, bounced off each other. Um, and I think a family relationship is one of the best things that you could possibly have, especially in farming. There's so many sad stories in farming businesses. 
And do you think, so, and that comes down to it. So you have to choose between, you know, you, you know, we've seen stories, not just in family, but all businesses, people who preference business over family. Um, do you think that the, the, your, the strength of your business is because of the strength of your family? Definitely. You've got to have a good family working relationship. Yeah. So then um, in farming in particular, so what, you know, you can see it in your eyes, you love farming. What is it that makes you love farming so much? I don't know, but I love it. I really do love it. I love getting out there, helping Todd or helping Keith or just seeing out, you know, the, the air, breathing the air. Um, I love I love getting out working. Yeah, you, you, don't, you don't seem to be one that sits around all day. No, I'd, sometimes I should do, <laughs> especially my house. But I just 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 love it. You know, I'm sorry, I don't I can't put an answer to it. But no, I, that's good. I, I love farming. You do, and I and I love our family farming business. Yeah, and well, you can see how much pride you have in it, and you can see that. Look, you and Keith and Todd, and have you can see you work hard. Oh, we've been around today, and I think your operation. I think we said it's a, it's a three hundred and sixty-five day of the year business, isn't it? Yes, yeah. Like the cows need to have Christmas dinner too. That's correct. Yeah, yeah. And and unfortunately, Todd's the one that's got to feed Christmas mornings every day, every year so far. But we might have someone this year, hopefully, so he can spend it with his wife and Nika and the two little boys. But Nika's been very good coming into our family. Yeah. Um, she wants to be involved, and she's she's hardworking too. She she's often got on the tractor or um, on the header or on the chaser bin. Um, and and then that's really good because I oh, then I have my two little grandchildren, little two little boys. Oh, I look after them. So it's either I want it, and I say no, you get on it, and I'll look after my grandboys. So for those of you, because obviously you can't see, but behind me I'm in Jill's kitchen bench, we've got spoiling grandchildren. It's my job. So you obviously love spoiling your grandchildren. Yeah, and they, I I do. I'm, we're very lucky to have two <laughs> healthy little grandboys. <laughs> so. Um, you've obviously got a really good um, relationship with your daughter-in-law, um, and you, you you got magic there. No, <laughs> <laughs> you're just a nice person. No, no, no. Just involve them and let you know. Let them but that's a good. But even today, our whole chat involve people, involve people, involve people. And I think, you know, for all the business stuff we've talked about, you know, that seems to be a recurring theme with you. You know, get people involved, make sure they're part of it. And do you think? Uh, really. Relationships, um, communication and involvement. As always, if you'd like to know more about AgriMaster farm business management software and services, you can find us at www.agrimaster.com.au or find us on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook and Instagram. If you like this episode, please share it on social media or directly with a friend. And let's make farm business great together.